You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The return we've been waiting for is finally here. One of the sport's most notorious icons is stepping back in the octagon this Saturday. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, is giving you a free shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with first deposit. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about football playoffs, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs this weekend. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout this weekend. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and Andy and I are back with Season 2, Episode 13, Unlucky Number 13, as the Rangers fall to the New Jersey Devils, and the debacle continues once again. And Andy, how are you doing? I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of sour after last night's uh, loss to the Devils in a game which they potentially could have at least gotten a point out of if they were ready to play for once. Uh, but again, they're haunted by this inability to be ready from the start and it's just one of those things that seems to plague this team uh especially coming off of you know just what a bounce back versus the islanders the other day so you'd imagine that that should at least that lesson should be fresh in your mind be ready to go and get that first goal and what a difference it makes and instead they give up a goal in what 30 30 seconds or something 32 seconds and yes and you know, obviously now this is has Rangers Twitter in a fervor 
especially considering Jack Hughes has a pretty good night. For, well, I shouldn't say pretty. He has an excellent night for the Devils. You know, he has could have had four points, but that last goal was taken away from him, and he looked good. But I think the frustration comes from, and we're going to talk about this, I'm sure, the fact that even Kako looked good, but the disparity in ice time was ridiculous, despite when Kako and Heal were on the ice together. They were probably the Rangers' most dominant line at times, and yet they received less ice time than the fourth line. So... But yeah, I'm sure we're going to get in, into that. So I'm still sour uh, and I try to be more even keeled instead of just being reactionary and try to see the forest through the trees. But yeah, it's concerning, man. It's start, I'm starting to really get concerned about the, if this, you know, decisions like this will have long term ramifications for this team. Yeah, I mean, listen, man, when I when I. You know, when I shut the computer off and, and I, you know, I turned the game off and, and I really started thinking about it, it it's kind of crazy. Like, we live in the same universe as we did last season. It's the same quotes by Quinn in the post game. It's the same problems that we have over and over again. And, you know, you can blame it on the age of this team. You can blame it on experience. You can blame it on, uh, you know, too many uh, new pieces in the system you can but that we all know that's not the problem the problem is that it's glaring what the issues are and they're never addressed and they're always just pushed onto something else and there's always well you know you know Kako's not producing well is anyone else really producing like is are we getting secondary scoring like I understand that Kako might not be producing the stats that Hughes is so maybe he doesn't deserve all the playing time but the guys that are getting playing time, are they really producing? I mean, outside of Mika and Panarin, are you really like, you know, or, and you know what, I'll say Booch this year. Outside of those like three guys, is, that, is are you really comfortable with anybody, you know, playing 20 minutes a, a game? That's a real question for you, uh, Andy. I, yeah. On the I offensive mean, side, on yeah, the offensive I mean, side. Not... Well, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I, I really don't. No, and I I understand that as a coach, it's like sometimes if a line's not going that night, then I understand you have to make adjustments. But it's just with again, Quinn is such a big intentions and effort guy. So you see the fourth line working hard, and and I do want to preface this with saying I didn't think the fourth line was all that bad last night. I, I thought they were very good. They they are what they were good, but the problem is they couldn't create anything. Whereas. The third line was very good, borderline dominant at times, and also we're creating. We're getting shots on goal. Heel was excellent. I thought Kako looked very strong and quick, and it, you know, and he was up for that game, which was good. But it's just, you know, uh, and listen, I love the effort that Giuseppe puts in. I think he's a great energy guy, but I just clearly he doesn't have the skill offensive vision or skill to create or really capitalize with those two, you know, obviously he helped set up that nice goal against the Islanders with a little bit more time and space. But yeah, I just some, see a lot of him trying to rush the puck through congested areas and just not having the, yeah, the, the, the skill on the puck to either change uh, gears or pull up or make a pass or find someone else, or just even just the wherewithal to be like, if I can softly put this on goal, hopefully one of my teammates can get there. But yeah, I mean, still that line was dominant every time they were on the ice, and yet you look at at the end, the allotted ice time, they were barely out there. So you, it begs the question: Did Quinn is Quinn not seeing what everyone else is seeing? Does he think 
you know, I don't know. It it's, just doesn't look to his, his eyes tell him that that fourth line, because they're skating into the corner really fast and trying to muck things up. And even though they might hem him a little bit, it ultimately doesn't result in much. Does he value that over them trying to create at times and getting stripped, even though, you know, on another shift, they might put, uh, get a few grade A scoring chances. It's just, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It just adds, begs a lot of questions, you know, especially with Kako not uh, getting just, uh, he got some power play two time last night, but yeah, it's just, if he, when you got, if you're not going to play the guys who are going, I just, I, at that point, I just don't understand what you're doing. Right. And, you know, and, and listen, I know your concerns about the Giuseppe, but he's not the problem on the Rangers right now. Like, no, I, I, I like, you are right. I don't, I don't want to see, seem like I'm singling him out. I just do want to think that even if I don't understand why he's so if he gives the fourth line uh, all that much more ice time when Di Giuseppe is on that line and he's also doing everything that Quinn wants in terms of like aggressive on the puck, even if he doesn't create much. So I just don't understand why then you wouldn't have the same confidence putting the third line out there. Exactly. That you get the fourth line. Yeah. I I, and I was going to allude to that point. It's just like, you know, you give this kid an opportunity to play where he is in a lineup and you know, he's playing well enough to stay there for sure. And we don't have really have any other options for players like Di Giuseppe. It's like, those are the bottom guys on the roster and you know, they are playing, they are playing their role. Like they're playing exactly the role that you would expect them to play. And, um, you know, hold on one second, sorry. And then, uh, you know, and then you look at, you look at, you know, our top lines, right. And we have, this is the Benajed line, which listen, when they don't have it, is this it? Like, is that, is that the only line that's going to be able to score? And then you look at our second line and clearly there's a problem there and it's, his name is Strom. And, you know, you see some really good puck movement, you see some good decisions and some scoring chances driven by, you know, Lafreniere and, and Panarin, but you know, that, that line is really lacking a center and, you know, Strom is not the player he was last year. Uh, at least not not yet. And if it takes some time to get going, um, you know, I hope, you know, he doesn't waste any more time because that second line really needs some sort of center depth, uh, a guy that's a little bit more creative that's going to get in the dirty areas and, and get the puck out to, you know, Panarin and, and you know, kind of let him do his thing. And, you know, that's a, a bit concerning, especially now that, you know, Zibanejad might get banged up and we really don't have a number one or number two center. Um, I don't really want to take Heedle off that third line because I thought he had, you know, his best string of games uh, so far that I've seen in a while. So, you know, the Rangers are really, in, they're, they're in trouble if they're not going to address, you know, the problems they can address because uh, things can only get worse. They're not going to get magically better by, you know, continuing doing the same thing over and over again. I believe that's like the definition of, of madness or something, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, Andy, it's just, you know, concerning that these are now coaching decisions. And, you know, speaking of coaches, we played our old assistant coach last night in Lindy Ruff, and you saw his style, you know, and you saw his team play within that style, that kind of, you know, rope a dope, just, you know, take, take the beating. And then once the Rangers make a mistake, you know, let's, let's strike and score. And they took advantage of their chances. They crushed the Rangers uh, in turnovers you know, it's frustrating to watch because it's like maybe it wasn't Lindy Ruff this entire time. Maybe it was Quinn kind of pulling the strings on the in the D zone and and on the defensive side of the puck. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, 
I will say this. I I do admire the fact that Lindy Ruff has looked at this team and says, here's what we do like this. Here's what we have and here's what we can do. And they've only allowed one even strength goal through three of their games, which is good. But at the same time, the workload they've, they're putting on Mackenzie Blackwood is insane. 50 shots from the Rangers tonight. I think they the Bruins put up 40 another night. That's, you know, that can't continue if they want to be uh, successful. But listen, it works, obviously, in games. It's kind of like they're they're trying to play somewhere between the Islander system, but actually have some offense, too, you know, especially right. on that counterattack. And there's nights where, especially against teams like the Rangers that aren't detailed-oriented or experienced mm-hmm. or skilled, where you can absolutely mince them on the counterattack. So that's what that's exactly what happened. But I just feel like in game, if they're going to try to out, you know, try to counterpunch, uh, you know, especially if they... You know, if the Devils can make it to the postseason, that'd be good for them, obviously. But at the same time, if you want to try that against eventually against a, a powerhouse team, yeah, I don't know how well that works out for them. But, but you know, but at the same time, though, he had they the rate you know the Devils have a lot of inexperienced young players, and they've had defensive trouble the last few seasons. But they've really even with a you know they have Hughes really, you know they just their positioning is great, and I. I love the fact that this Rangers team has so much skill and Quinn, for the most part, doesn't want to put like a governor on what they're doing. He's trying to get them to. It's tough because I think it feels like he's trying to without limiting their offensive freedom at times like you can however you can do it. That's great, because obviously we when the Rangers were clicking last night, they were absolutely dominant. Like you said, 50 shots hemming them in. Uh, free to pass. Adam Fox was was flat out balling last night. Some mm-hmm. of the moves he made, I was I was just chuckling to myself. I'm like, this kid is so good and heady, you know, of a player. But you know, it's tough because at the same time, it's how many times did we see them try to keep a puck in or do pinch or choke something and then squirt behind him, and then all of a sudden, three Devils just you know zoom zoom by excuse me zoom by that player, pick up the puck, and it was a three on two or a three on one, and now you're 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 behind the play. So yeah, man, it's like, listen, obviously it's tough to, to have it always, but there are things you can't control like that. Like you're not going to be able to limit mistakes. You have so many young players and just, especially when you're playing offensive hockey, where you want to get creative with the puck and create scoring chances, it's going to happen. But what you can control is that your best players are getting the ice time they deserve, or your lineup decisions are reflective of what, will give you the best chance to win. Because if you're going to shorten the bench at times and only put out players because you want to win a game, then that means you're lined up to sit roster decisions. And, you know, I, I, even though I don't necessarily think it's his fault, he is what he is. He can't control if he is getting ice time, you know, but Jack Johnson shanking shots into the rafter, into the blue seats, you know, every time he's got the puck at the point, uh, you know, I, you would think that, then maybe now finally they can get Tony in after a loss. But we all know that Brendan Smith, who has actually played pretty well, and I didn't see too many glaring bad things out of him, will probably come out and they'll put him in there and it'll be Johnson and Tony again. So it's just, these are the things you can control. And the fact that they will most likely, yeah, it's not going to happen. It's yeah, as a fan, it's kind of frustrating because it's like, you know, it's, they have this whole like, Oh, he gets a bad rap thing and fans are overbearing and too. They're, they're uh they don't understand how a team really works it's like but you know i think it's just anyone can with eyes can see that maybe i don't have a problem with jack johnson playing this year at times but just 
just do, you know, they told us last season they were going to stall was going to be a player who they would limit his ice time. And sometimes they'd sit him to rest him. And did that really happen? No, he pretty much played all, all year. So, you know, well, and it, now, but the thing is, though, like, yeah, I, don't know. The, I don't know, maybe the Rangers organization felt like they owed something to stall and, and stalls kind of laid everything out on the line for the New York Rangers. So in the Rangers, weren't yeah, no, and that, that, I almost so, understand that. It, it, like it is what it is. But Jack like, Johnson like, is a one point five million. You know, he's a million dollar player. He's, you know, in any he's signed for that just just because his name has, you know, some weight around the league for being there for a while and his like where he was drafted and everything. It's just it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. And listen, we can get more into the D. I mean, I, I, mean, I kind of really want to discuss the forwards because I see problems, okay. glaring problems on every line. Um, let's start with line one and I'm going to give you my problem at, on each, on each line. And then we're going to go, we'll go from there. All right. So the first line, obviously sounds good with the, the, the KZB line. Um, I think Buchnevich is playing a lot better. I think, you know, I, I really do think Zibanejad has another year. He's like our best player. Yeah. Buchnevich has Mm -hmm. been our best player without a doubt. Um, and uh, Kreider, Kreider, I, I, I really do. I'm worried about him because I feel like, you know, watching him, he's got a lot of good qualities, but there's nothing's cohesive in his game. There, he's just kind of all over the place. Um, he, he gathers the puck, he can carry it in zone. He just kind of throws it in. There's no creativity to his play. Uh, he's not physical enough for you know his strength and size. Um, I just don't see him as a first line player and eventually he's going to have to get moved off that first line. And, and, you know, what are your thoughts with this line and, and Kreider being there? Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's kind of that it's like Kreider when he is playing his best, he is just kind of limiting what is expected of him. If that makes any sense, basically he's strong and fast play. And he said this before, like I got to play a North South game, you know, and he, I think he does well when he, uh, uses his speed, gets into the fork check, and he can he can obviously cycle the puck and shell it and, and protect it. You know, obviously the problem is then when you do use that separation and now you're coming out of the corner, that first pass just has to find someone, even if you just get it back to the point. And it's that's what you have to do. But I think he just has that thing. It's like, I'm a first-line player now. And then he tries to make a pass that is not in his wheelhouse, and then he turns it over, you know? Or then they lose possession because it's like he tried to do one thing too many that's maybe not his forte. And, and that's, you know, that sucks, man. It's like, I, I know he's trying and he's put up good results with, uh, Zabanajan Buchnevich, but he's clearly not as skilled as the other two, but he has his own, obviously strengths that they don't have. So, yeah, I mean, you look at Jesper Faust playing with, uh, uh, Panarin and Strom last year, and he, he didn't really change much up about his game and try to be something he wasn't. He wasn't playing, he was still playing his direct style and his like do the muckraker style, but it worked. He was getting points just by doing what he's always done. And, you know, Strom and Panarin were still passing the puck to each other from the perimeter and doing these uh, heady passes and finding each other in, in like hard to find spots. And it's not like he was trying to do that. He just did the work and then he'd just plant himself where he needed to plant. If Kreider could just get it to one of those two or get it back to the point and then just go in front of the net, he probably he could probably tip, he's very good at tipping pucks in and he's good at taking away the goalie's eyes like just do that especially Blackwood last night he was he's a good goaltender man and if they're gonna clog like that and he can see pucks like you're not gonna get one past him so that's what he you know you should have done but I just think it's trying to do 
a little too much. You know what I mean? Whereas that, you know, instead of focusing on what you're not or what you should be doing or what you think you should be doing as a first line player or trying to play the game you think the other two are playing, just play your game. Those two are skilled. Buchnevich and Meek are skilled enough to like adjust for what you're doing. If they're like, all right, Kreider's going to do this, but he's not going to be able to you know, he'll win the battle for us and he might get it back to us on the boards, but he's not going to like do a, you know, a backhand drop pass as I'm streaking into the slot as he's trying to roll out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no. or he's not going to quickly pivot for a quick shot and goal. That's just not his game. It's not what he does. And that's fine. It's just, but yeah, uh, just, you know, Chris Kreider, uh, I think he's just the yeah, same as he ever was, I guess is all I can say about that. Right. Which is not a first line player in a national hockey league. You know, I hate to say it, but you know, he's a good complimentary player on uh, on a better team, but expecting this kid yeah. to drive offense and, you know, to be on that top line to help produce numbers, it's just not there anymore. And it's just, it's glaring to me now that, like, you know, he is I'd really be just... interested to try him with Panarin, not to cut you off. Yeah. We're well, on that second line. Yeah. Least. So let's get into that right now because... Yeah. Um. It real realistically, the only person that's going to take you know Chris Kreider's spot is probably Lafreniere. Now, the second line, as you know, as we speak right now, is you know Panarin, um, Panarin, Strom, and Lafreniere. I would move Kreider to the right hand side, and then move Lafreniere up to the left wing on that top line, only because you know, listen, we. Strom, I don't know really what Strom's game is when he's not playing that cerebral reading the play and getting into the right positions at the right time. Um, there's a yeah. couple times where I, I, you could see him, he's forcing passes instead of just shooting the puck. Uh, you know, I, you know, Strom, I think will get better with a little bit more confidence. And, you know, if he, yeah. you know, if he has a good game where he gets a goal and two assists, I think you might, you know, see him get hot again like he was last year. But, you know, as of right now, he's absolutely killing us, killing us on the power play. But line two, you know, obviously he's the problem. But, you know, how would you feel flip-flopping uh, Kreider and Lafreniere? Yeah, I, I think I'd be for that, at least just to try something. Because, you know, I get, Kreider gets rewarded on the power play, which is great. But, you know, and Mika, but at the same thing, through three games uh, outside of Buchnevich, I haven't seen much five-on-five from you know they've done Mika's done good things at times it just hasn't really translated at even strength for him yet and yeah I think Lafreniere I think you know everyone's been I understand why it's like oh to have him play with Panera and get chemistry is good but you know this way you get to keep Lafreniere on the left where he can make plays Mika is like a shooter naturally so Lafreniere is a guy who can find him for you know especially as a right-handed shot he can find Mika from uh, uh, from the left wall and yeah, even Bu- and the way Buchnevich is playing, that should goose uh, Lafreniere a bit. Because the one thing I've seen from Lafreniere, and it seems like he's slowly, he's just, he definitely seems like he's trying not, he's trying to like not, uh, well, he looks like he's been in the league a long time, which is great because he doesn't, you know, he he know he can follow plays defensively. He kind of, he understands where to be, how to fill spots, which is great. You know, that's an excellent sign because you know it's not going to be like an all, he's going to be an all offense and can't help you defensively. Unfortunately, I think he's maybe not being selfish enough at times. And, you know, sometimes it's like he I he's not really tried to, like, fly the zone a bit to buy himself time and space, which is, again, which I think is good because he wants to make sure he has the, the trust of the coaching staff and he's going to be there defensively to help out, which is good. But, yeah, I just think he needs to 
try to make more mi- he has to leave himself open to make more mistakes to figure yes. out what he can and can't do if he's going to become you know more of that offensive player and we saw a little bit last night i saw him do things that he would you know even more bags out uh, things out of his bag where he's like oh i this work usually worked for me but i had like this much less time to pull it off than i used to you know andy and i think you're spot on with lafreniere because you know, i i think he needs to try to make mistakes you know, especially in the offensive zone, like be more creative. You know, I, I think he gathers the puck and looks to make a play so quick because he thinks he doesn't have uh, as much time, which of course he doesn't. But, you know, there are times I, I want to see him more selfish. I want to see him, you know, instead of just throwing the puck across the ice and, and making a, you know, a, a nice little zone pass for, you know, the guy streaking on the other side. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see him, you know, kind of gather the puck, make it, maybe make a step towards a defenseman. And if he doesn't have anything, you know, do a, you know, a, a curl spin and, and away from that defender and, and maybe work it up to the point or something like that. Um, you know, there's so many things to his game that are just going to improve. And, you know, I think he just needs the, the confidence to, you know, handle the puck instead of just throwing it away immediately as soon as it gets on a stick. And I know the pace of play, you know, will sometimes cause players to panic, but I don't think he's panicking. I just think he's, you know, trying to do things a little too quickly at times instead of just having that confidence to gather himself a little bit. Um, And you see it a lot with Panarin. You know, Panarin will stick his butt on the boards and give himself all that extra room as he gets the puck. And he'll take a couple steps in. And if he doesn't see anything, he'll do a a curl and send the puck deep or or up to the point. So, you know, I want to see that uh, at a Lafreniere. Um, But other than that, you know, I'm very happy with this play. I mean, I know the numbers aren't there. And, and, you know, people expected this kid to come out and just, you know, dominate. But, again, this Rangers team is – it, it nobody's dominating we're, you know we're we're struggling to find goals in every which direction so you know don't get frustrated because Lafreniere is not having a successful year in terms of numbers because as it stands right now nobody except you know Panarin, Buchnevich and, and Zibanejad are are you know really crushing it out there in terms of you know offensive production yeah yeah, and we, you know the Rangers have gone up against two teams that make it their absolute job to clog everything, which makes it tough to kind of yeah to get that. So you have to wonder when they finally play one of the teams in the, the East, like they play Buffalo for the first time, and all of a sudden they have access to the middle of the ice that they haven't had. How they can look and how they can create and they can uh, spread things out. But it's yeah, it's tough when when teams clog and collapse like the last two teams they've played. You know. Uh, that's what they're trying to do. They give up, they give, they give you a lot of ice on the outside, but that's really it. And then they just try to contest. So, um, you know, and obviously they both teams have goaltenders in Varlamov and, uh, Blackwood that can withstand the rigors of that. But obviously it's a, it's a dicey proposition to try to have them do that all the time, especially against those teams that are like structured, but also offensively dangerous, you know, but for a team like the Rangers that that absolutely works and it kind of definitely hinders them. Um, yeah, but yeah, saying I'm not worried about Lafreniere. I think he's looked good at times. He's just like you said, he's just figuring out what he can and cannot do and how much space he can give himself and he picks it up and how, you know, I think the biggest thing with him is realizing that you have to always keep your feet moving or have some skating momentum. It helps you get to even if you're just gliding more, you know, instead of just full on stopping like he's used to cuz he loves to like Kako, he loves to kind of just used to stop and then uh skate towards survey and skate towards pucks and then you realize that 
in the NHL level, you always have to have a little momentum going so you can just get to that spot just a half a second quicker. And it makes all the difference in the world, you know, so and he'll figure that out. You know, like you said, he doesn't look bad at all. He looks good. He looks he looks like he's he belongs. It's just, you know, he's figuring out how to translate that uh, the supreme offense of his game. So I'm not worried. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, as we work our way down the lines, you know, line looking at line three and four, I think we can really talk, you know, talk about them as a, as a package because they kind of were our better lines last night in terms of I, I thought Lemieux was creating offense for himself. Uh, he had a couple of times where he came streaking down the zone. He got himself that breakaway where he drew, you know, drew a penalty. Um, you know, these guys are moving their feet. I thought Howden, uh, listen, I'm starting to become a Howden guy because if this if, if this is how he's going to play, kind of just that aggressive style where he can draw penalties and just kind of muck it up and play a simple game, I'm all about it. Um, yeah. Again, you know, if, <laughs> I hate to say this, but it could be a reality. You know, if Mika Zibanejad goes down, you know, Howden's going to have to move up and play a huge role because Quinn loves the guy. And that's the only guy that's really going to really, I feel confident moving up because I kind of like Heedle right where he is. And then Strom realistically, isn't going to really move anywhere out of Panarin's uh, off of Panarin's line. So, you know, Howden's the guy that's probably going to move up. Um, And if he can continue to play within himself, like that he has, you know, I think he'll have success. No, I absolutely agree. And I think that's the big question. The Rangers were recording this the, the morning after that game. The Rangers are going to skate at noon. We'll find out what Mika's status is. Um, so hopefully he's okay. But like you said, he, he, one of either Heedle gets moved up, and he, he he's actually played well with Kreider and Buchnevich at times. But also remember Howden in the training camp was centered up there while yep. Mika was out. So that's obviously Quinn will probably most likely rely on that. So you know, I don't know how I feel about that, but I, I, like I said, I can't say Brett Howden has looked bad. I liked, he's much more, he seems much more confident. And even though, you know, he's much more of a direct style of player, it's yeah, he hasn't been bad. It's just, he is what he is kind of. So, and at least now he doesn't look lost and he's been better defensively and he's moving his feet and he looks a little bit more stronger on the puck and determined. So yeah, listen, uh, it is what it is, I guess. What is up, everybody? Mikey CLT here from Bar Down Breakdown, letting you know that our 100th episode is going to be dropping exclusively on the Hockey Podcast Network on January 27th. We will be joined by special guest Derek from the amazing pop punk band State Champs. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on all our socials so you do not miss any of our amazing episodes we are so pumped that we have made it to episode 100 and to thank you we are running an instagram contest where one lucky winner can win a steez brand snapback hat so head over to our instagram and enter our contest also if you are just hearing about bar down breakdown make sure you go and check out our 99 other episodes where we have had artists who have been nominated for grammys all the way down to artists who are unsigned, where we dive into the crossover between alternative music and hockey. So make sure you go and check out Bar Down Breakdown wherever you listen to podcasts, brought to you exclusively by the Hockey Podcast Network. 
you know, and and now to kind of transition to the problems that we've seen on the defense. Obviously, Johnson is you know low hanging fruit. Uh, you know, struggles to make outlet passes at times, and you know his positioning is off. He's always you know leaning. Uh, you know, it seems like every goal against we have, you can picture just him leaning. And just like the guys just out of reach who's scoring the goal, uh, his positioning is bad. Just every shooting is bad from the point. I mean, he almost put it like over the glass from the blue line. It's like, what, like, where are you shooting? I mean, he's not even really hitting the trapezoid. That's how wide his shots are going sometimes. Um, Truba is just a turnover machine. That that guy really needs to figure his stuff out because right now, with the way Quinn is coaching his team, he's not going to bench Jack Johnson. I honestly think. Truba would be the one to, to sit down right now, uh, given, you know, the amount of ice time that this guy's getting and the amount of turnovers that, you know, he, he's killing us. He's absolutely killing us uh, with the turnovers. And you saw Jack Hughes go in for a breakaway and an easy goal. Um, and, and all I got to say is thank God that we're getting some decent play out of uh, Brendan Smith and our boy Ke'Andre Miller, who looked, you know, especially dynamite in that first period. He Andre looks better every game mm-hmm. and it's he looked you know first game he looked kind of tentative and a little bit over his head the second game he looked comfortable the third game he's using his skating he's creating he's being aggressive and yeah this kid is uh at this point you can see it's it's amazing how naturally some of this you know obviously naturally he's such a good skater and that affords him a lot of things but the confident the poise he's definitely playing within himself a little bit more you know, I think the one time he has trouble sometimes is still like, uh, it, you know, on breakouts, just thinking about how much time do I have? Should I rush it myself? And that'll come with time. And just I think even as the more he plays, the more the pressure will be off of him and he'll realize that, oh, I can get myself out of these situations. I can put myself in these situations and he's going to be a transition monster when he's ready. So the, but the fact that he looks this good this early is such a good thing to see. You know, I, I still do think. Again, his maybe the, the area that needs the most improvement is when they are stationary in their own zone, yep. being able to snuff out things and, tra- you know, but that'll come. He's a young kid, you know, even though he looks, you know, so formidable, he's young. So, but the fact that he's this heady and offensive and his breakout passes have looked crisper and his skating and when to go has looked, you know, when he sees he has a pocket and that it's a play is going to die, he gets on his horse to make himself another option. And it's amazing. And it's uh, so good to see. So, uh, a lot of exciting things, obviously. To it was not all doom and gloom in Rangerstown right now. No, and, and you know the to keep riding the Keandre Miller train. You know, watching watching him. You know, even when the the play's dead, right, and you just see his facial expressions. He he's calm. He's like it was just like even in game one, you saw like he didn't really want the puck. Um, you know, you saw you know him really. God, what's the word for? He wasn't struggling, but he was almost like he was just tentative. Everything he was doing. Yeah, it was just like kind of like he didn't want the play to come to him. Now he's gathering the puck. He's not afraid to rush it. He's I think he's being a little bit more physical, but he's using his, you know, his strength and and physicality in a smarter way than he was in game one. Um, And, you know, it's just I don't know. Do you think playing with Brendan Smith has you know, giving him a little bit more of a, a at ease feeling. I do, you know, because Smith is a guy who, you know, it, it's fun. This is going to sound funny when I say this, but Smith is a guy who does try to do everything 
like skate, you know, Troop is a little bit more of because he's a bigger, stronger guy, he's a little bit more of stop, you know, battle in the corner and then get it out. Where Smith tries kind of transitions between the two of those type of things. Obviously, he's not blessed with the skating or the, you know, the the physicality of a Truba or uh, a K Andre. But yeah, I think it's if you watch a guy who will battle and quickly try to use his skating to break pucks out, it, it rubs off on him. And I think that plays to his strengths. And yeah, Smith has been good, man. Like, I think we we've obviously harped on him in the past because he's just he battles with inconsistency. But you remember he was one of our best defenders a few years ago in that series versus Ottawa, and where the rest of the Rangers weren't so good. Mm-hmm. And he was great in the bubble. He steps up in big moments, and yeah, he's making it count. So he's definitely been one of our better defense. You know, Lindgren had a real rough game last night after being probably one of our only good players the first two, and that's going to happen. You're a young player; you'll be inconsistent. You'll have nights where you're puck watching too much. But um, and yeah, Truba Smith didn't has help been him good, either. So, and I think that's a no, absolutely not. Truba, you know, bad game had a good game, and then had another stinker last night. So that's that contract starting to look worrying. But just listen, Keandre is figuring it out. Lafreniere is figuring it out, and um, yeah, the, the future is bright for the the two of them. So I, at least they're, you know, I I I want Kako to get have more of that trust or be at least be on Quinn's mind of like I have to get this kid going as much as possible too, because obviously he's giving Lafreniere and Keandre uh, the opportunity, but I would like to see it across the board, but uh, I, you know, not holding my breath on that one. I, I guess we'll see. Yeah. And uh, you know, and, and looking at goaltending now too, uh, I don't really have much to say, you know, I thought goaltending was fine, just fine last night, nothing to write home about, but nothing to, you know, press the panic button. Uh you know, yeah. I, I thought Georgie Georgiev could have been better. He could have been better, but, but it, again, it, it really all depends on the play in front of him. Like, it's that's very true. It's you know, looking at the full, you know, the the full game as itself, not just like one specific goal. You know, the play needs to be better in front of him. You know, you know, collapsing and having that first goal go in thirty two seconds in, it's going to destroy the goalie's game. You know, you know they're yeah they're very so much mentally oriented in their gameplay. So you know, having that collapse right off the bat is just it's unfair. And so I'm not going to judge. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to hold anything on our goalies just yet because you know right now it seems to be coaching decisions. Uh, it seems to be some play out of a few of our players and, you know, our special teams continue to, you know, struggle a bit. I know we went two and six off the power play, but, you know, it was apparent that Strom was really slowing our, you know, power play one unit down. We can't expect Fox to play every single power play minute. Um, I'm expecting when Tony comes back that he's going to, you know, probably see a lot of time on the power play. Um, which will be good, you know, hopefully, you know, it spreads that, you know, that talent out a little bit and hopefully Tony, if he's on power play too, can kind of be that guy that drives that, um, you know, quarterbacks that power play, because I really do think that that PP two, even though they're getting like the last 30 seconds or so of a power play, we really do need someone to get the puck, gather it and be the quarterback. Um, and, and kind of, you know, if, you know, we have this umbrella set up, keep feeding those sides and, and get traffic in front of the net. Yeah, I think you nailed it. That's exactly what you'd like to see more of them do. You know, Mika has that beautiful, uh, especially when you have a Blackwood, a big guy who takes up a lot of net and is very good, you know, is good positionally with his reads, uh, that feeding that they were looking for Mika on that short side. And he, he beat him once and he almost beat him a second time. He just kind of ringed it a little high. So uh, if you have a guy from the, 
you know, two guys working on the point who can uh, who can do that. That's obviously a key. That'll be a big key to success, especially with teams like the Islanders, the Devils that are going to, you know, like I, I think I said last night, stuff the crease like a clown car where there's not much shoot direct shooting lanes, you know, but it leaves obviously uh, room off to the side. Yep. And, uh, you know, we got another big game coming up on Friday um, against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And this is going to be a real true test because, you know, Pittsburgh will be a team that uh, probably be fighting for a playoff spot, it looks like. And and, uh, you know, they play a different style. They're more of an offensive team than the last two teams that we played in the Islanders and Devils. So um, I I know, you know, we have a little special preview uh, heading into that Pittsburgh game on Friday. Yeah, uh, I was lucky enough to sit down with the boys from Tip of the Iceberg just to preview Friday's uh, game. And yeah, it was a, a lot of fun. Uh, and it's yeah, it was just interesting to talk about where the two teams are at, even though it's only such a small sample size. They're one team is we have a young team and a bit older team. But at the same time, it seems that they both are dealing with some of this, some similar struggles, which is kind of funny how that works out. So, yeah, we get to talk about that. And uh, yeah, it was it was a real treat. Um, so yeah, looking forward to Friday night's matchup. I'm kind of, uh, nervous slash excited to see how the Rangers look against a team that has also had its own struggles. And it'll definitely be whoever makes the least mistakes wins. Um, and you always have to be wary when Crosby and uh, Malkin are on the ice, but yeah, it was a lot of fun and, uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening again. So enjoy We're going to finish our podcast today with, me sitting down with the boys from tip of the iceberg here on the hockey podcast network and yeah so without further ado here it is welcome back to the tip of the iceberg podcast brought to you by the hockey podcast network we are now being joined by another member of the hockey podcast network we're joined by andy hammond of the broadway boys if you had previously listened to our interview with him you know this is going to be a very intellectual one talking about the broadway blue shirts and the pittsburgh penguins of course those two teams are going to meet four times in the matter of the next 10 days. So a lot of contact and a lot of games against the New York Rangers coming up. So who better to talk to than Mr. Andy Hammond? Welcome onto the show. Well, thank you for having me, guys. Uh, you might be giving me a little too much credit with uh, the intellectual, <laughs> definitely emotional. But uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. And, and like you said, a lot of meetings between our uh, two teams coming up this season. Uh and yeah, it's uh, some days I feel good about having that many games against uh, crosstown rivals and uh, cross area rivals. And then sometimes I'm like, this might, uh, I don't like how this shapes out, but uh, it'll be interesting no matter what. It definitely feels a little bit more important or it feels a little more new, mainly because it's so early in the season. It's the first time they've played each other. So we haven't seen a Penguins Rangers matchup in over a year, at least. I think it was back in 2019 the last time these two teams played. So it, it's been a long time. Yeah. I, you know, it's especially with, with uh, a lot of back to backs and having like, I think there's one point where we're going to play the devils four times in a row. And yeah, it's nice to know that, or, or I guess, you know, when you get the, the Rangers in their first in their home opener, got the, uh, uh, they got the, <laughs> the bricks beat off of them and then they were able to come right back and get some redemption. So in that sense, it's good, but at the same time, it's uh it sounds like, you know, and I think because of the Islanders, they almost had the reverse happen to them that it could be kind of like a blessing and a curse because sometimes you have a game, you feel real good about how you play and mentally you kind of think you have that next one in the bag and you just come out flat or you underestimate your opponent's ability to push and then you, yeah, you get lit up. So 
uh, it's going to be fascinating, and it's definitely going to uh, a lot of contempt and bad blood should be flowing for sure. So we brought you on to talk about the New York Rangers, their outlook for this season, how you've thought about them the first couple of games of this season already. But the big question, I want to check in on one of the former Pittsburgh Penguins. How tired of Jack Johnson are you already? Oh, my God. Um, so uh, let me preface it by saying this. Like, I, I do, at this point, I don't – I don't hold Jack Johnson's performance against him. I think everyone in their dog knows what maybe except the, the Rangers coaching staff and, and Jeff Gordon uh, knows what Jack Johnson brings to the table, which unfortunately isn't much. He had, he's had his real bad moments. We've only, we're only three games in uh, last night. He didn't defensively. He didn't look all that bad. Although on that first goal, I thought he was a little soft. You can see he, once he gets spun, he's slow to try to recover and then he was getting shots on the point, and I think he put like three pucks into the blue seats and the rafters, you know, just literally high and wide over the, you know, and there's no net anymore, so it's just, you know, he was at a driving range. But um, listen, he is what he is. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if Jacques Martin was the one who who uh, lobbied for to get him in. I don't, uh, and I, I'm sure you two could tell me if there was a like a little bit of a love affair there and his usage, but. You know, I don't know. We're, Rangers fans are hoping he comes out for Tony D'Angelo the next game, but. I don't think it's going to happen. I just think it's one of those things where every team has their just one guy that the coaching staff seems to love inexplicably for no, and it's definitely not for performance. So I don't know what it is or if there's, he's got some dirt on someone, but uh, yeah, I can already see it's going to be a problem. I, I mean, uh, he's making me miss Mark Stahl. And I never thought I'd say that. It's been a small sample size, but what have you seen so far from first overall pick? Sorry, first overall pick, Alexi Lafreniere. I, I know it's only been four games and it's hard to judge, and I'm sure you're still judging a lot of the players on the team, but what have you seen from Lafreniere so far? So the biggest thing is that he has never once looked out of place. He's always looked like a guy who has been in the league for a while, which is great. Uh, he has, I would say he hasn't had as many of the offensive flair things that I'm used to. You know, or that you would think you'd be seeing. But at the same time, it, it seems to me like he's really focusing on like looking the part and being a, you know, sharp on his defensive assignments and supporting the puck. So that's great to see. Cause that's something that usually takes, you know, young players, especially if you're 19 years old, it's kind of rare to see them not look at a place like that. You know, I almost think he could look stand to be a little bit more selfish, but I get it. He wants to like, be a team guy and he's had listen he's had flashes of brilliance here and there just doing little things i've seen him trying you know every game he gets a little bit more comfortable i see him trying things that he was used to getting away with and then he's kind of realizing oh i don't have as much time as i thought uh or i or if i i had more time than i thought and i rushed to puck here and i was a little you know the pass a little hard but every now and then you see him little deft touch passes or he can sling a puck tape to tape from across uh, the other side of the zone to find panarin uh, he's currently playing on the right side. You know, they switched him over the right wing to play uh, on the second line with Panarin, but they, they'll crisscross and they'll switch sides a lot. But uh, so I think he's getting used to that too. But, you know, he hasn't looked out of place. Obviously, I think he, like I said, he could be a little bit more selfish maybe, but he's figuring out his limits. And it took Jack Hughes until this season, you know, one full season and Kako for that matter, who now looks uh, much, much better to like look like they can actually be dominant players. So I just think it is. It's hard to come into the National Hockey League. And, uh, you know, Austin Matthews is almost like an exception to the rule, you know, even took what uh, Crosby and McDavid three games to get their first point or goal. So yeah. 
<laughs> it is what it is. So he doesn't look out of place, and that that's good uh, good enough for me for right now, anyway. Whenever he does find his place, the fact that him and Artemi Panarin are playing on the same line could turn into something that is is going to be very fun for for Rangers fans to watch. That's for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, you could tell just the you could tell that for nothing else, Lafreniere already has insane vision. Panarin looks at least, even though I don't, I doubt he'll repeat his performance from last year, where every team's kind of couldn't really game plan whether it was against the first line or his line with Strom. But Panarin looks just as dynamic. Uh, Strom, unfortunately, does not. So I think it's almost hindering that line a little bit. But uh, yeah, if those two can, if, if Lafreniere can figure out Panarin's tendencies and realize that Panarin can find him almost anywhere and potentially vice versa, yeah, it should be a scary time for teams that have to go up against them. But uh, yeah, I think they're still kind of feeling each other out right now. But that's a good thing. And I, I, think, uh, I think Lafreniere will get it eventually, especially if he has to realize that maybe instead of trying to change his game so much is that Panarin can find him if he just does what he's used to doing. I think that's the biggest thing for him. So again, ignore the stuff behind me. I'm sure we'll figure it out. But um, you mentioned it before with Kapo Kako. Uh, what's, you know, is there something wrong with him? What's the deal? I mean, he's a number two overall pick, but I'm also seeing all kinds of negative stuff about him. And that I saw he was a minus 26 last year. I mean, is there something wrong? Is something that can turn around and if i'm totally wrong on this go ahead and yell at me because i'm just trying to figure it all out with him yeah clearly i think last year uh for how much was made of him being nhl ready he definitely could have used some ahl time i just think processing the game and that speed and his skating legs weren't what they needed to be uh then you know so he has a kind of rough year and he's you know he's kind of a more of an offensive minded uh yeah, he's kind of more of an offensive zone possession player. His two-way game was clearly really lacking. He just lacked the step. And But, you know, he we have the downtime. He comes to the bubble. He looks like the Rangers' best player, even though they all kind of look disappointing. Yeah, yeah just I'll put it in a nutshell. Kako looks much better this season. Uh, unfortunately, the coaching staff doesn't seem to want to give him ice time. You know, he was one of the worst players in terms of advanced metrics in the league last year. And then just in his last two games, his his metrics have been amongst the top of the team in terms of driving offensive scoring chances. And he's just more assertive. He's uh, heavier on the puck. He's quick. He's more decisive. And it's making a world of difference. But, yeah, I just think, unfortunately, you know, all the Rangers were bad in game one. So that didn't help. Game two, uh, he was one of the only players or not. Actually, everyone was good. But, you know, that line, him and Heedle have found great chemistry. And they were one of the most dominant lines. And again, last night. But for whatever reason, David Quinn, it's still it's not translating and he, he received some of the lowest ice time on the team. So I think that's going to be his biggest thing is struggling with the fact that if he's not getting premier minutes compared to Lafreniere or that first line is that just keep doing what he's doing. Don't let it dissuade you or get his confidence down. And uh, yeah, I still, I'm not worried about him because I think he looks so much better and he's looking like he can actually, you know, make pa more passes and not just be more of a one-on-one -on -one player. And yeah, he has to hound pucks and sometimes it takes longer. You know, it's not going to, it might not all come together for him this year. Whereas Jack Hughes looks like it took him a year and he wasn't ready. And now uh, he's kind of figured it out. So it might take a little bit longer, but again, he's another guy I'm not worried about. I'm more worried about the coaching staff putting him in, in positions to get comfortable and succeed. And it's a very young team when you, you talk about Lafreniere and, and you talk about Kako, of course, both of them coming into this league, it is a difficult jump. And right now it seems like they're making that jump, but there's still a couple of things that are holding them back. That is something that 
as the season goes on, especially in a season like this, you would think that they kind of get a little bit more comfortable and they start to kind of come out of their shells and perform a little bit better. But away from the forward side and more on the, the goaltending side, how do you see the Rangers goaltenders? Because last year I said something about, wow, they have Lungfist and Georgiev. They're so lucky. And you were like, oh, wait, 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 Shesterkin, you don't know him yet, but he's really good. So how do you see this goaltending situation right now? Do you guys have a tandem or is there one guy that's a starter and another a backup? I mean, in a perfect way, I think ideally Shesterkin is your starter and Georgiev is your backup. They're both really, you know, Georgiev is a guy who I you've kind of pegged as he has the potential to be a starter somewhere if he had to, like a la Cam Talbot or hell, even Auntie Ranta, who could eventually take the place of a starter. I think uh, Georgiev's problem is that he's very hot and cold. You know, there's game, he's either he either looks borderline unbeatable, and then there's just games where it's just like he's letting in some pucks he should have had. Shesterkin's a little bit more even keel. Um, he clearly, his first game of the season wasn't good by his standards, although the team did nothing in front of him to help him out. But I think that's how it kind of ultimately shakes out that you'll have Shesterkin as your 1A and that he's a little bit more reliable uh, across the board. And then Georgiev, you're going to have maybe a little bit more variance in his performance where there's nights where he looks like the Islanders the other night. You just couldn't, he was confident and you just couldn't figure him out and he's making great saves. And then there's just nights where he's like, I oh, should have had that. And, you know, but that's good. I think you just, especially with the condensed schedule, you're going to need good goaltenders uh, because I think you look at the Islanders and Verlamo has looked so good, but then they had to put in Sorokin for his first NHL game. And he just looked you know, out of place and bad. I don't think the Rangers will have to worry about that as much as some other teams that have a really good starter and maybe their backup isn't. Uh, yeah, because you're going to at a certain point with the with the how compact the schedule is, you're going to have to give your main guy some rest and you can't, you know, I don't think it's realistic to be able to ride uh, your number one all season, you know, especially because you don't have the same rest days to to sit him or get him, you know, have it, let him uh, recoup. So I'm confident going forward. We'll see. Shesterkin has only played one game so far. And obviously, although he came in relief last night and he looked pretty good um, of Georgiev. So, and yeah, they almost won that game. And yeah, so I, I, I'm not worried about it. I'm actually, I think the Rangers in this Eastern division have one of the stronger tandems, but yeah, well, what remains to be seen. I don't know. Can Shesterkin repeat what he did last season? Uh, I hope so, but, Again, I um listen. Goaltending is like voodoo. Some years guys are good, and some years they just inexplicably are not good. So, and I think the great ones. I'm used to Lundqvist even in his twilight years. Is that he was pretty consistent. Like he might maybe wasn't as good as he once was, but he was as good as he ever once was. I don't I don't know how that <laughs> phrase goes. You you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, we know what you mean. It's goaltending's weird, and we, it's hard to predict. It's hard to really even talk about. But you gotta do what you gotta do. And I mean. Going forward, I think all three of us, at least, we're confident this, that this can be a good Rangers team again. Um, quite simply, I mean, when will the Rangers be a real deal playoff team again? Um, so I think the problem with this New York Rangers team, or not, I don't want to say problem, because I think it's 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 still coming along. I think what the disconnect for a lot of fans is, and I think for where where the field's at, is that they're offensively already such a talented team. They can score. I think last year they were seventh in in goals in the league. They had they were number one in scoring from the back end. They can clearly put the puck in the net. So it almost feels like okay, they're a supreme scoring team. They should be able to. But you can see obviously. D team defense and when you have that many young players it's just yeah they make a lot of mistakes they're inconsistent their games where they just 
they aren't dialed in or they don't show up until a little bit after the, you know, 15 minutes into the first, they give up a lot of early goals. They give up goals at the end of periods. And I think that's the biggest thing. You, you see the disconnect between they're clearly ready maybe to go up, go, you know, they can run and gun with some of the bigger, the higher powered offensive teams, but they don't have the, uh, they don't have the experience in the league to lock things down as much. And their team defense overall is, is not where it wants to be, but, you know, just having a guy like Ke'Andre Miller make this team and already look like one of their best defenders is absolutely huge. And you just see the potential, especially because considering they still have more talented defensemen in their pipeline that haven't even made the Rangers yet between Nils Lundqvist, uh, Zach Jones, you know, uh, Tarmo Reunanen, who's on the taxi squad right now. Uh, yeah, it's definitely their, I think their defense needs to shore up first, but they're close. It's just, I don't know if it's going to be this year, unfortunately. I think with you they're still a team where they are too inconsistent and um you know i i had them getting in our predictions i had them getting in the fourth slot and i think that's definitely doable for them especially if it's you know they kind of finally figured it out i was hoping Jacques martin uh might influence that a bit you guys can tell me whether i'm i'm out of my mind but um but yeah i think still as long as they're in you know their youth and inconsistency especially if they're not going to be relied on to put their young players, give them the ice time they need to kind of make their mistakes and be like, Oh, okay. Like I can't do this. I have to be doing this. I have to be aware of this. Yeah. Until that happens there, I don't know if they're going to be ready, but they can put the puck in the net and they can, you know, but you can't always outscore your problems, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. With everything. And you mentioned Martin, I mean, he had a pretty good track record last year with a young defenseman with little to no experience in John Marino. So the fact is, he has done it before, but we'll see if he can repeat that with a little bit more of a quantity in New York. There's a little bit more to work with. So we'll see if, if that helps with it. And to kind of continue to tie the Penguins and the Rangers together, let's get into that matchup a little bit. How do you see the Rangers matching up with the Pens here in the early going in these first four matchups? Is it good for New York, or do you think it's going to be a rough matchup for them? Well, I think... I, I don't really know, to be honest. They've faced two teams back-to-back that are very, that like to clog the neutral zone and clog their own crease in the Islanders and the Devils. Uh, you know, they put 50 shots up on the Devils last night, and then they pretty much dominated the Islanders in their bounce-back game. But that's because I think the Islanders took them lightly and just weren't didn't have their skating legs for whatever reason or were overconfident. But, so, I th- you know, I think... Uh, from what little I've seen of the Penguins this year, it looks like you know, they can definitely score. So I think the Rangers have to be wary of that. I think it's one of those things that if they, I think it's going to be one of those things that whoever makes the first mistake is going to, you know, and for, or makes more mistakes is going to end up paying for it. I think it looks like both these teams maybe play a little bit more open and a little bit more of a skill game than the Rangers were seeing from either the Devils or the uh, the Islanders, you know, because like I said, even you can be as, uh, your def- team defense can be as good as you want, but if, if Malkin has the puck or if Crosby has the puck, you need to be aware at all times because they can burn you. And I, I don't think they really had that so much against the Islanders and the Devils who are just didn't make mistakes. And then when they had a chance on a counterattack, you know, could either bury one or two. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's kind of going to be a little bit more open. It's going to be a little bit more run and gun. I'm sure both, uh, you know, old friends, uh, uh, Sullivan and Quinn will be pulling their hair out if they watch their teams try to, you know, tit for tat each other like that. But it's probably going to be what it's going to be. And, yeah, I think it'll come down to, like I said, who makes the, the who makes, uh, well, not that this is not every team game, but who makes the least amount of mistakes in their own zone and which goaltender is up to the, the task. So, uh, 
Although you guys can tell me, I saw that uh, is now, do you know who's uh, slated to start for the Penguins? Is it going to be Jerry or is it going to be, uh, yeah, who's who's in net for Friday? I would guess it's going to be Jari or, yeah, I would guess it's going to be Jari just so we can get his legs back under him a little bit. And because, I mean, yeah, DeSmith has been winning, but Mike Sullivan likes to ride a hot hand. We'll just, it'll just depend on that. But, I mean, even beyond the Penguins, um, you already kind of touched on the Devils and Islanders. How do you think the Rangers stack up against the rest of this you know, this monster of an East division? Uh, like I said, offensively, they can probably won't be one of the more, you know, uh, dominant offensive teams. It's just, uh, it's, they're going to be their defense. Like, I, they clearly, there are nights when things are clicking for them. Like they can create from their back end. They have good, they have two supremely talented offensive defensemen in uh, uh, Fox and D'Angelo. K. Andre Miller has looked great. And like I said, uh, the younger guys on their third line have looked even more uh, confident. It's a matter of them getting the ice time, but at the same time, and you know, you can look at it that really outside of Buchnevich, their, their uh, main horses namely you know Panarin had a great game against the Islanders in game two but yeah Strom uh, Zabanajad, Kreider these are guys that really haven't gotten going yet so if they can I think they can stack up pretty well against almost any team it's just they're you know they're lucky enough that they're like I said offensively talented enough to be in any game I don't think they'll but at the same time it's like they are a team that they can really make more mistakes than maybe some of these other teams. They'll probably have way less structure. So they're definitely susceptible at all times to all teams, you know, whereas there are some, I think there's some teams in this division where the Bruins, I don't think will ever be a team that is uh yeah, they'll probably they're, you know, they might allow two goals against, but probably not much more than that. And I think the Rangers are going to, there'll probably be a lot of nights where the Rangers unfortunately give up three to four goals. So that's going to yeah, I think they can stack up with anyone but it's just the problem is the variance is too much and this is you know with this compact schedule you need to limit this you need to find a groove and honestly i think this is the perfect year for a team like the islanders or if the devils want to play this style which i wouldn't recommend giving up 50 shots even if they're from you know the outside a lot but you can't i would say you normally can't do that every night but in a shortened schedule maybe you can maybe it's like the islanders just playing patient hockey is going to work for them you know what i mean uh, but who I, it's kind of hard to say, this is the most competitive division since they've redrawn, uh, during the pandemic, you know, and honestly, it's like any of these teams, like good teams are not going to make the the playoffs in, in this Eastern division. You know what I mean? You, cause you could even argue that on paper, the devils were the weakest of the teams and they've looked like Blackwood's a, could win the Vesna. He looks like a world beater right now. And sometimes that's all you need, especially if you're only playing 56 games. So, uh, I don't know. I could the Rangers. I could see in, but I could also see them finishing last just because they were always inconsistent and they have too many Jekyll and Hyde performances. Yeah, and beyond that, I mean, even is this new format gonna show to be beneficial for the Rangers because you're not playing against these teams, or is it gonna be beneficial or hurt them because you're not playing against the bad teams of the Central of the West, like all three California teams, Florida, if you will, and. Uh, Chicago come to mind like these aren't that great of teams that are probably some easy wins I mean granted the Penguins lost to all three of the California teams last year but for the most part they should be easy wins and does that help or like does that take away from possible chances of getting in for you guys you know I think it it hurts them in the short term 
but I think it benefits them in the long term because iron sharpens iron. And if you have to be that dialed in every night or else you get spanked, like it's, uh, it's, you know, it's good for development, maybe not so good for their chances. They'll probably learn a lot of lessons and then have a lot of time to learn from them and, and turn around and try to apply them. So I think it, it hurts their chances maybe of getting into the playoffs this year. But at the same time, I think it's maybe it might be the best thing for them because you don't have to like get your, you know, let's say you get uh, upset by a powerhouse team. Let's say the Bruins just absolutely wipe the floor with you. And then the next game you're facing the Red Wings or, uh, or yeah, or rebuilding San Jose Sharks who look absolutely abysmal right now. You know what I mean? And it's like not the same thing as saying, all right, well, the next night we're either playing the Bruins again in a back-to-back or we're playing the Islanders who, who maybe don't have the offensive flair but are even more structured. And it's good in that sense. You know what I mean? It may be not so much for getting the win, but at least being able to make mistakes being coachable, learn from them and then apply them and figure out, okay, if we want to be consistently consistent and competitive, this is what we have to do and how we have to apply it. So yeah. Uh, TLDR, uh, maybe bad short term, but good long term. And I feel like that's going to be the same thing for everybody, especially as you both mentioned in this division, which you know, Boston is, is going to be a powerhouse. Washington, we just witnessed firsthand how difficult those games are going to get. Philadelphia, we, we saw that as well. We, we own pace of play against Philadelphia, yet still got killed on the scoreboard. So it's going to be a very fun season for everybody in the East Division, but it's also going to give everybody a little bit of anxiety and some heart conditions. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, listen, even I don't care how good of a team you are that even Philly got waxed by Buffalo the other night. You're just going to when you're playing this many game in this short succession, you're just not you're going to be a lot of nights where you're not as prepared and you just don't have it. You're playing a lot of games and just mentally maybe you're not in it. And then you get bad bounces and it's over. And Philly is a better team than Buffalo. We can all I think we can all say that uh, pretty comfortably. But at the same time, yeah, they they got waxed by the other night because they came out of the gate really hot and looked like they picked up where they left off. And then they got to Buffalo and maybe they underestimated them a bit and just didn't have their skating legs. And yeah, and Buffalo put up, uh, what, four or five goals on them. So it's just kind of that's hockey. That's kind of how it is. And I think you're going to see a lot more variance, I think. So that hence why teams really need to focus on their structure and whoever can yeah, remain, limit their mistakes and remain the most structured the season wins. I think you, every year you have a lot of teams that uh, they can outscore their problems or even out, maybe their goaltender can bail them out and then they kind of get exposed in the postseason. And I think even more, there's even more chance of that happening because the schedule is shorter and you don't have as much time to be, yeah, to be, make those mistakes. So, and it's early, listen, like these guys haven't played hockey in how long. So I think teams are going to tighten up as time goes on. It's just right now it's a little bit helter skelter, but uh yeah, it's uh this division is definitely the most uh competitive and yeah, I just I, like I said, wouldn't surprise me to see the scoreboard shake out. I don't think there'd be any big upsets because honestly, out maybe outside of the Devils who people had on paper, like no one really pegged anyone to be. If you go, if you did a se- segment of everyone, everyone has different ideas about who's in and who's out. So. Yeah, especially in the East Division, as we've all mentioned there, and expectations for everybody are, are some a little high and some a little low, but. We already heard your expectations. You have the New York Rangers in an official prediction at four, and you've also realistically said, you know, you could see them in or out based on how strong the division is. What is the expectations around the fan base in New York? Do they expect this team to contend for a playoff spot this year? I think they do, and I I would hope, I would preface it in saying that there's, you know, I think everyone looks at development of teams and trajectories should be linear. I think they overachieved a little bit last year, which 
I think some people don't want to admit, but listen, uh, if you look at Mika Zibanejad's shooting percentage and the season Artemi Panarin had, that's not going to happen again. Like Ryan Strom is already not looking as uh, dialed in and, and having the synergy with Panarin he had last year. And a lot of things went right for them. You know, I, I think getting Shesterkin in at the right time really helped them, uh, even though, and at times he, yeah, he was good and he kind of helped, uh, he helped maybe hide some warts down the stretch, but there's yeah there's plenty to build on but you have to th- understand it's like they there's now they bring in two more 19 they're the, I think they're the youngest team in the National Hockey League now you bring in you lose Mark Stahl you lose Henrik Lundqvist you bring in uh Ke'Andre Miller who's 20 and Alexi Lafreniere who just turned 19 uh yeah and you know Pe- Philip Heedle's been in the league for a few years but he's still not I, I don't think he's 21 yet or he just turned 21 so and Kako yeah same with Kako like these are Half of this ro- and yeah, half of this roster are sub 22, 23 year old players. And I think it takes a lot of time for people to understand that, like, even though it's like another year, these guys aren't going to all take, you know, these astronomical jumps forward. Uh, there's still going to be time to figure out Lafreniere wasn't going to come in and from day one be a world beater. You know, he's going to have to figure things out like everyone else does. And uh, yeah, I think people, fans want it just thought saw all these things on paper and said oh well we're clearly going to be better because we have you know guys with way more potential yeah but you know potential is is an end goal thing and yeah maybe just where they're at yet in terms of controlling pace of play is not there yet so i don't know but at the same time it's like all it takes is just having a, a light bulb go off for one of these kids and all of a sudden that's just another dangerous element like if keandre miller who was bad the first game and tentative in his first NHL game was looked pretty solid and impressive his second game and then looked pretty dominant his third game you know, if he keeps progressing and getting his legs under him and you can now play him on your second pairing and give him you know heavy minutes to take some of that uh load off of Fox and whoever his partner is that's huge you know so it's just kind of hard to tell there's too much variance which is why I was only really comfortable having him in that four spot I didn't want to seem like a downer part of me even thought about having them just missing it because I think they they're not gonna they're not finishing first I'll tell you that I think they're either just make it or they probably just kind of finish right outside of that spot all right and I was gonna let you go but I did remember one thing is Mika Zibanejad gonna be good to go on Friday we're finding out right now they're supposed to be practicing at noon uh so and that's obviously you know he looked pretty shaken up after he went to the bench he slide and what's you know it was one of the things where he disappeared because it was in the corner closest to uh, the camera so you see him lose an edge and slide so you didn't know what the point of contact was mm-hmm. did he hit his head he has a concussion which he's had some issues with in the past uh i actually oh i actually think i can tell you right now let's see Do-do-do. uh no meek in practice i just think we don't know but that's not that's not a good thing yeah maybe it could be I think the Rangers said it's a maintenance day for him, but yeah, well, who knows? It can be precautionary or at the same time, he could be dealing with some stuff. And yeah, I don't know. I, uh, Mika, unfortunately, has had some weird freak injuries in the past. So, you know, I think you have to be careful with him. So there's a chance he might not be ready for Friday night. So you might see, I can't believe I'm saying this, you might see like a Brett Howden uh, on the first line between Kreider and Buchnevich, or maybe they move a Philip Hedel up, who's looked pretty good. But uh, yeah, I'm not really quite sure. So well, uh, that remains to be seen. I'm sure we'll find out some point today after practice when they're done. I'm sure hopefully the beat writers ask. But yeah, uh, not good. Not good for sure for this Rangers team who definitely is going to need all the help they uh, can get down the middle of the ice, especially if you're trying to stack up against a one-two punch of Crosby and Malkin. 
Well, Andy, thank you so much for joining the show. We'll give you here a couple seconds to, to let us know where everybody can find you and what's coming up for you on the Broadway Boys podcast. But just one more time, thank you again for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me, guys. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod. Uh, coming up, yeah, uh, we have an episode dropping like everyone else here on the Hockey Podcast Network. It comes out if you're listening this Thursday morning. Thank you so much. Episodes every Monday and Thursday. Uh, excited about our new partnership with DraftKings, as we all are. Uh, and yeah, we have some good stuff. James and I have some good guests coming up. Uh, we're going to sit on it for now, but if you pay attention to our Twitter page, uh, you'll be excited to see who we have coming out. And yeah, just thank you guys for having me on. It's always fun to talk hockey with you. And you know, I'm, I'm obviously hoping our, our the boys in blue get the, the win on Friday, but at the same time, I'm very supremely nervous. Uh, and it should definitely, I think if anything else, it'll be a fun game with two teams that can put the puck in the back of the net. And we'll get to see a lot of it because they're going to play like we started the show out saying four times in a matter of 10 days. But once again, thank you, Andy. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.